Before we begin this week's episode, all of the team here at UK Life Abroad would like to express our support for the people of Ukraine during this difficult time. For those who would like to learn more about the growing tensions, be sure to listen to our previous episode where we interview Stefan Romaniuk. Stay tuned now, as we've moved our short news segment to the start to keep you informed about what has happened in the last few days. Additionally, we would like to announce the launch of our monthly email newsletter. If you would like to stay up to date with UK Life Abroad and news from Ukraine or around the diaspora, then sign up via the link on our social media page. At the end of the month, we will spotlight the most important news stories, as well as any upcoming events around the diaspora and exciting content we have planned. We would also like to introduce our new UK Life Abroad contributor, Markian, who will be writing about social and political topics from around the diaspora. The General Secretary of Putin's United Russia Party has said that Russia should directly and openly supply the Russian-backed troops in Donbass with weapons. This is the first such statement from a high-ranking Russian official. Since 2014, Russia has been covertly supplying arms to eastern Ukraine and typically supplied them with weapons that were in use by the Ukrainian army to give themselves plausible deniability. During last Sunday's Mass at the Vatican, Pope Francis joined the growing calls for peace to prevail in Ukraine. The Pope also proclaimed that on January 26th, all Catholics would pray for peace in Ukraine. As announced in a previous story, the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church is currently in the process of planning a papal visit to Ukraine. The last time such a visit occurred was during the reign of Pope John Paul II in 2001. UK instructors have begun training Ukrainian troops in how to operate NLAW anti-tank grenade launchers. The training is being conducted as part of the UK's Operation Orbital. The UK has delivered 2,000 launchers to Ukraine in response to Russia's build-up of troops along the Ukrainian border. The launchers weigh 12.5 kilograms and have a combat range between 20 and 800 meters, and only require 5 seconds to detect and engage their targets. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki has announced that the United States intends to transfer several MI-17 military transport helicopters to Ukraine to support the Army's defense capabilities. The helicopters in question were formerly part of the now-defunct Afghan Air Force and are currently in Ukraine undergoing maintenance. The announcement comes in the wake of increased military aid to Ukraine in recent days, due to the continued build-up of Russian troops along Ukraine's border. Since 2014, the US has provided Ukraine with $2.7 billion worth of aid. Now stay tuned for this week's episode, Strange Facts You Might Not Know About the Black Sea. This week, we thought we'd dive into the Black Sea and some of the interesting facts that this sea has to offer to us. So firstly, let's dive into its name. So why do we think it's called the Black Sea? First of all, like typical, like first thought is that it's black. It's called the Black Sea because of the color of the water sometimes. That's what I think. I was going to think that, but then I thought, hold on, there's the Red Sea and the Red Sea is not red really. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, I don't know why they give these seas names, but enlighten us, please. Brianna, any ideas? I would have also said maybe the depth of the water. So, you're kind of right. So, there's many theories surrounding as to why it's called the Black Sea, but some of the most prominent ones are, uh, one of the most popular ones is that in winter when the sea is very stormy, um, the water appears to be black, which is what they believe led to the name. 
or one of the other more popular theories is that because um, the bottom of the Black Sea is quite sludgy, um, stuff like items that would fall into the ocean would disappear very quickly, and that's why it got that name of Black Sea. However, historically, it's also had a few other famous names. So, for example, the ancient Greeks called it the Inhospitable Sea because it was populated by um, savage tribes, as they called it, which weren't friendly to the Greeks. However, once the Greeks had set up colonies all over the Black Sea, including in Crimea and along the mainland Ukrainian coast, it became the Hospitable Sea and eventually just the sea. So it's gone through a few name changes now. Now, overall, the Black Sea has a size of 436,500 square kilometers, which is bigger than the entire state of California, which for some reason, everything has to be in ratio to an American state these days. I find that pretty funny. It's sort of like how Ukraine is compared to Texas in size as well. Yeah. And um, so there's a few countries that border it. So, of course, we have Ukraine, but there's also Romania, Bulgaria, Turkey, Georgia and Russia. So there's a few major countries, obviously, that border it. And in terms of rivers, the main rivers that flow into the Black Sea are the Danube, the Southern Bug River, the Dnipro, the Rioni, and the Nystad. And because it's a relatively big sea, it has a decent amount of depth. And it's at its deepest point, it's about 2,200 meters deep, which is, don't think you'll ever really be able to swim to the bottom of that, what do you... <laughs> Now, I think, Brianna, you've got a uh, fun fact for us about how the Black Sea is tied to biblical terms, potentially. Yeah, so some scholars believe that the Black Sea may be the site of uh, the biblical Noah's flood. Uh, So the theory goes that uh, melting polar ice caps caused the waters of the Mediterranean Sea to rise, triggering a deluge of water 200 times more powerful than Niagara Falls. This then caused the Black Sea to expand, flooding at a rate of more than one kilometre per day. Um, Now, this has been disproven. In 2000, scientists found what is believed to be the Black Sea's pre-flood shoreline after unearthing buildings erected by ancient civilizations 20 kilometres from the Turkish coast. However, marine archaeologists believe that the rise in sea level uh, happened more gradually, disproving this theory of a catastrophic flood. Whilst I was researching for the topic i found sort of an extension to your story so there's also the belief that the boat like noah's ark came to rest on the black sea shore so they believe that noah's ark um, after the flood subsided and they found land again the uh, ship docked in quotation marks at mount aruni on the turkish black sea coast however again there's very little evidence to prove this but um, maybe one day, I don't know. <laughs> maybe they'll find it as one of the wrecks um, underneath the water. Nathan, how many wrecks are there in the Black Sea? Yeah, so one of the most fascinating elements um, of the Black Sea um, yeah, does have to do with shipwrecks, and it's specifically in this lower portion of the Black Sea that's known as the Black Sea Dead Zone. So this is the largest dead zone in the world, um, and it occurs naturally, and this occurs when oxygenated water is only found in the upper portion of the sea, and that is where the Black Sea mixes with the Mediterranean Sea. And what this does is below that oxygenated water, you then have what's called a dead zone. And in this dead zone, there are somewhere between or around 60 ships that um, range from the time of Alexander the Great 
all the way through to the 19th century, and they basically remain untouched. And this is because of that lack of oxygen in the water. They've actually ended up preserving these ships for such a long period of time. So these ships um, include a 17th century Cossack raiding fleet, as well as a Roman trading vessel that has survived um, over all these years. And the oldest intact shipwreck that has been discovered is actually a Greek trading ship that dated back uh, to 400 BC, um, which I find absolutely fascinating that that ship, you know, you know something that's almost 2,400 years old um, can still be seen. And I'll give you a little more detail about the actual specifics of these ships. So whenever a ship sinks, um, normally things like wood and rope are the first things to break down because of the salt and the bacteria that lives in the sea. They actually um, eat away those materials. However, because there's no oxygen in the water down there, uh, things like uh, bacteria doesn't actually live down there. So what that means is that a lot of these um, ships are actually so well preserved that individual chisel marks and tool marks from the manufacturing of the ship can actually still be seen on the planks. Now, to me, okay, I, I find shipwrecks, I find them creepy, but I also find them fascinating. So to me, the ability to see like the handwork of someone who died 2,400 years ago, it, uh, to me, is just absolutely uh, fascinating. Now, the unfortunate thing is that because these um, wrecks are so far down, uh, a lot of the was a surveying of the wrecks have actually, has actually only been done with sonar and uh, remotely operated vehicles. Now, if we're looking a little bit further into why this happens, uh, scientists say that the ships are so well preserved because of the unusual chemistry. So there's a guy, uh, John Adams, he's a principal investigator of the project of uh, the Black this project unearthing the Black Sea ships. And he told National Geographic that when the last ice age ended around 12,000 years ago, the Black Sea was really the Black Lake. As temperatures rose and the sea level increased, salt water from the Mediterranean began spilling into rivers that fed the Black Sea. This meant that both freshwater and saltwater rivers now flowed into the Black Sea, resulting in two different levels of water. The top layer of less salty water is rich in oxygen, but the lower layer has no oxygen, and that's why that the, these ships are able to survive for so long. Um, so... Yeah, like I said, I find um, shipwrecks uh, fascinating and, um, you know, things like uh, being able to see, if you go down there, you can actually see like um, pottery jars that are still intact. It kind of blows my mind when I think, I wonder who was actually going to receive those goods and they never ended up receiving them and we've found them all these years later. I don't know, thinking like that kind of... I really enjoy thinking about stuff like that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you reckon they still have an address on them and go find where they were meant to go? <laughs> so another interesting part of um, the Black Sea history actually relates to the Roman Catholic Church. And it has to do with the story of Pope Clement I. Now, he was the fourth pope, um, and his papacy began uh, in, in 88 AD, and it ended in 99 AD. Now, the part that links the Black Sea of his life is actually, unfortunately, his death. And this is, um, well, the main source of his death comes from a, uh, a church paper, which is known as the Apocrypha, and or it's also known as the Act of the Martyrs. 
And it's a fourth century manuscript which talks about the suffering and death of various Christian martyrs. And it mentions in there Pope Clement I. And what it says is that uh, during the reign of Emperor Trajan, uh, the Roman Emperor, uh, Clement was actually banished from Rome to Kersenats, where he was set to work in a stone quarry um, as punishment. And on his arrival, uh, what ended up happening was the the prisoners that were suffering at the um, the quarry from a lack of water um, actually ended up coming to him and looking for uh, looking for help. So he uh, knelt down and started praying, and then he had like a what's the word I'm looking for? Not a vision, but there was a um, apparition. That's the one. He kind of had like this this apparition where he saw a lamb on a hill, and then where he went to where that lamb was. And he started digging into the ground and apparently then water came out. It kind of reminds me of the story of, I believe it was Moses who, when the Israelites were in the desert, he struck the rock with the um, with his staff and water started to come out. And so after this, there were a large number of the prisoners actually converted to Christianity. And as a result of that, uh, the wouldn't say the officers or whoever was in charge of the prison uh, punished him and he was martyred in the Black Sea uh, by being tied to an anchor and thrown overboard into the Black Sea. So it's an unfortunate end for one of the popes, but that's, you know, just another bit of history uh, when it comes to, you know, that particular body of water. Now, it's believed that his bones were eventually discovered and his head is, well, the, the relic that they consider his head is actually in the cave monastery of the caves in Ukraina. So, if anyone wants to go and check that out, if they're ever in Ukraina, then that's an interesting thing you can look at. Another interesting fact is about um, the aquatic life that lives in the Black Sea. So, as with any sea, um, it has quite a fri- it has quite a unique and diverse ecosystem. And we've talked about the Black Sea dolphins before, and they're considered a unique subspecies of the common and bottlenose dolphin subspecies in general. And um, as with any uh, animal, um, human interactions don't usually go well for them. And there's been, uh, because the Black Sea is heavily industrialized, there's been quite a decline in the diversity of aquatic life. And for example, uh, monk seals have become extinct in the Black Sea since 1997. Um, However, other species which have been introduced by humans into the Black Sea have seemed to thrive. So, for example, humans have introduced sea otters, beluga whales and grey seals into the Black Sea. And some of these have escaped captivity and have thrived in the Black Sea. So, obviously, they don't have very many predators or competitors and so they're able to survive quite well Uh, another interesting fact which i didn't know is um it's believed that great white sharks might be present in the black sea and this is because they're present in the mediterranean sea and they've been spotted in the sea of marmara which is between the mediterranean and the black sea and even in the bosphorus straits so it's assumed that one or two have probably made it into the Black Sea. However, due to maybe the difference in salinity, they might not be very active in the Black Sea. And so it's a bit of a safe zone in that regard. 
Andre, what can you tell us about some of the more modern, you know, things about the Black Sea? Uh, yeah. So uh, first, I'd want to point out the the largest cities that circle around the Black Sea, and the first one being Istanbul in Turkey, with a population of fourteen million three hundred, and the next one being Odessa in Ukraine with just a mere one million. That's a huge drop in between first and second uh, place. After that is Samsun in Turkey with uh, half a million, Varna in Bulgaria with also half a million, Constanta in Romania with uh, just under half a million, and Sevastopol in Crimea with only uh, 380,000 individuals it's a pretty big drop though between istanbul and odessa like 13 million people in between <laughs> yeah and then it quickly drops down to um less than half a million quickly as well so during the 1900s there are a couple uh interesting facts that i'd like to point out to so the first one is the 1901 black sea earthquake and this earthquake had a magnitude of 7.2 and it's considered to be the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in the Black Sea. And such events are rare in the Black Sea. Uh, with only in the last 200 years, the Black Sea region had uh, had only 24 tsunamis occurring. Again, pretty crazy. Tsunamis in the Black Sea, not something you really think you... Yes, but uh, if there's an earthquake, then the shock wave can create these huge, massive waves. Interesting fact, the earliest uh, recorded tsunami was in Romania and it dates to uh, 104 when the city of Calatis, uh, which is current, uh, currently known as Mangalia, was badly affected. So I'm, su- I'm actually surprised that there's a, like a historical record from just under 2,000 years ago. In 1936, the Montreux Convention uh, was signed, which provided for free passage of civilian ships between the international waters of the Black and Mediterranean Seas. Uh, However, a single country, uh, this being Turkey, has complete control over the straits connecting the two seas. The military ships are categorized separately from civilian vessels and can pass through the strait only if the ship belongs to the Black Sea countries, uh, which Alexa mentioned earlier. Other military ships have a right to passage, but they only have a limited time that they can stay within the Black Sea Basin before having to return. There are two incidents that I'd like to mention. Uh, The first one happening on 12th of February, 1988, where the American cruiser USS uh, Yorktown tried to exercise the right of innocent passage through Soviet territorial waters in the Black Sea during the Cold War. So the US cruiser was bumped by the Soviet frigate Bezaventa, uh, with the intention of pushing uh, Yorktown into international waters. There was only minor damage that happened, but after that, there wasn't any serious international backlash. Uh, another incident is the Kerch Strait in- uh, incident, which is the strait between the Azov Sea and the Black Sea. Now, this occurred on the 25th of November 2018, during which the Russian Federal Security Service, or the FSB, uh, Coastline Guard, fired upon and captured three Ukrainian Navy vessels after they had attempted to transit from the Black Sea into the Sea of Azov, while on their way to the port of Mariupol. 
this was the first time that uh, Russian forces had openly engaged with Russian uh, with Ukrainian forces, and uh, there was a quite a huge backlash against Russia for its actions as well. So yeah, as we can see, even though the Black Sea is one of the world's more smaller pieces of water, it has quite an interesting history and. Um, I think there's even more facts that we could talk about if people, if our listeners want a second episode. 